Okay, Clay, to kick off our discussion of blood fever, here's a trivia question for you. Hot shot. What, how many episodes prior to this one, Blood Fever, have focused on the idea, the concept of Pon Far? Uh, are we counting movies? Yes. And are we, are we saying prior to this that we have seen or prior to this in chronological order? That we've seen production-wise. Uh, I'm going to say including this one. Four. I think it's just one. What? Is Ponfar in the movies? Yeah, doesn't Spock go through Ponfar when he comes back from being dead? Because that was going to be one of my questions, is I couldn't remember if he has sex with Savick in, in part three. Oh, that's true. He, so it, uh, the, so there would be two then, I guess. Yeah. So and this, wasn't there a whole episode on Enterprise about that's after this, going? Th- after this, production wise. No, we, well, that's why I asked. If you, It's why I asked that we have seen. No, and then I, and I said production wise. So like oh, in, in, in okay, well, <laughs> in the, I didn't hear in that the, part. In the uh, evolution of the series itself, uh, it's I guess it's two at this point. Then, although the movie one is throwing me off a little bit because it's not like a isn't, focus of it. Isn't the one? Isn't where Spock and Kirk fight each other? Isn't that a Pon Far episode? That's the that's, that's the first one. Yes, that's the only one that I could think of that it exists. In. Okay, so yep. my answer is correct as far as the series goes. <laughs> well, you said four. just not just not specific to the question you asked me. Is, <laughs> just, so, it is a well, correct answer point, to some other question I might have asked. As far as the the number of Pon Far episodes in the series that we have seen, the answer is four. I think. Probably. Because I don't think they do one on Deep Space Nine. I'm assuming they don't. No, maybe not. In the, in the question, <laughs> your answer is incorrect in the context of the question that I think I asked, which is uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a mock well, time. Well, two, two if you count the movie. Yeah, I, I didn't. I wonder if the movie sort of count. Like, he does go through Ponfar, so I, I'll, I'll give you that, but... Do I guess that brings up? Did they ever mention Ponfar outside of those two? Because then I feel like you would you'd have to accept that as well. Because he he does go through Ponfar in the movie, but it's more just isn't that just a byproduct of his super aging rapid his like rapid aging? Well, yeah, because he's he ages his way through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He must have gone through multiple ones then, right? It's every seven years, as they claim in this episode. I don't know. They, this, she 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 was really tired. She didn't have she <laughs> didn't have two of two in her. <laughs> Big headache, migraine headaches. Mm-hmm. Blood fever is the sixteenth episode. It's only the sixteenth episode of the third season so oh, far. Boy. Uh, I was looking at the list on Voodoo, and yeah. I was I was shocked by how many episodes are left in this season. That's why I'm saying that. Yeah, no, I, I was feeling that too coming into this one. I was thinking like, oh, we must be. I thought we were near the end. Close. Yeah, yeah but we're, we're not. We're halfway through it basically. Great. Uh, this is two of three in the Necrit Expanse arc. I didn't even realize that was part of this arc. Okay. What was the first one? The last episode? The first one was the one where they run into the Necrit Expanse, oh, which is right, Neelix, right, yeah. is like the, the limits of Neelix's knowledge. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I don't think it was the prior episode. I think it was a couple before, but uh, I didn't even know they mentioned the Necrit Expanse in this episode. So who knows? Written by Lisa Klink. Directed by Andrew Robinson in Universe State is 505 oh, no 7.2. Is it or is it a different 
It is him. Yeah, he directed oh, it. That's fun. In Universe Date 50537.2, which is 2373. In this one, Blood Fever, Bolana Torres experiences symptoms similar to Ponfar after being attacked by Ensign Vorik, who was also undergoing the blood fever. <laughs> um, do you want to defend your claim that Star Trek is sexier than Star Wars at this point, or should we go in another direction? No, I absolutely do, because I was thinking about that the entire time. Because I was thinking about <laughs> how... That's not all. In, yeah, I was thinking about how uh, that argument that Star Trek is, is sexless, where somehow Star Wars is the sexier option of the sci-fi epics. Right, when you're, where, when, when, when you're looking for a sexy night out, out on the, yeah. uh, the town with your lady friend, you you choose either Star Wars or Star Trek, and it seems like Star Trek is the option to go with. Yeah, where if you look at Star Wars, there have been four kisses mm-hmm. in nine movies. and Just one virgin birth, though. One virgin birth. Uh, well, technically two, depending on how you... If you do Dave's math on when on when Luke and Leia were conceived, oh, okay. who knows who their father is? <laughs> but even there, like, there's no all of the like, one of those kisses is between a brother and a sister. Nice. Um, that's a big. It's not that's ex- a big genre these days. Yeah, and it's uh, <laughs> and it's not exactly uh, um, it's not not exactly heating it up in yeah. the, on in the Star Wars universe. Whereas in Star Trek, the Vulcans have an entire word for extreme horniness yeah and the uh klingons are well known as people who uh have sex so hard they break things yeah yeah remember all the ds9 episodes where uh Worf and dax would come into sick bay with like broken bones and stuff yeah they their passionate romance <clears throat> this is blood fever um I don't know. It, it's sort of a, a symptom of the. I I was I was extremely frustrated with this episode for a while, and then they did the thing that like I'm sure everyone is just screaming at the screen, which is just like have Vorik have sex with a holodeck character. And yeah, that was him. my immediate first thing. It's like, why is this <laughs> and, an issue? And and that made me feel somewhat better, even though when the reveal comes up, they treat it as if it's some genius idea that the doctor has come up with and it's like literally the first thing that anyone in this universe would think of is send him into yeah. the holodeck and uh, it doesn't work <laughs> and it doesn't well he chooses not to i assume but th- so on a like um i i am going to apologize to podcast listeners that i feel that this i have not had a lot of time to think about this episode but i feel that there's a lot to think about and say about this one unfortunately this is going to be more of like a fly by the seat of my pants type discussion um, but the, the technical problem that I have with it, and I know we've talked about this before, before, because I watched the episode thinking we've talked about this on the podcast. They, they have never justified why you just can't have sex to stop upon far from killing people, you know? Yeah. Isn't that. I mean, isn't that how it works? That is how it works. But they, they, they tried like in this episode, they, or like why he can't just rub one out. Like what are the rules upon far? Does he have to have <laughs> sex? Can he not just I'm going to assume yes. Let, let's give them at least the, that benefit of the doubt that there needs to be actual copulation involved. If so, why? Well like <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> well that's the that's the problem with the metaphor is that there's like 
And because he has to have sex with someone, right, they have to put it into this setting where Tom Paris having sex with Bolana is apparently like equivalent to sexual assault, even though it will save her life, you know? So there's this there's this weird problem it has, which is that like you can't have the sex because this is a PG Star Trek show and because we have to add some little bit of drama to it. But if you don't, the outcome is extremely negative. And it's not something that the person going through Ponfar would want. They would not prefer to die than have sex. You know what I mean? Sure. So I feel that the Ponfar episodes outside of the TOS episode just really, they have this trouble where they're, they're limited in like, how do you justify the drama of Ponfar when it seems that there are multiple outlets for people that no one ever wants to take. But what's that, yeah? Um, yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> I, I think the problem is it, it, the understanding of it is probably more... Um, I'm, I'm assuming that there's, there's just more layers to it than just the mechanical execution of fornication solves the problem. Uh, because I mean, if, if that was the case, I feel like they would deal with it differently. And I, I don't think that makes it easier for Tom to be like, sure, I'll just have sex with you. Cause there's, I, I, she's still compromised by something that isn't, she, she's been, uh, in, infected somehow with Vulcan horniness by the, because he touched her in the face. I yeah, guess. but she, she's going to die if she doesn't have sex or fight somebody, right? That's the outcome. I, I guess, yeah. So, like, what's the, what's the ethical... I can understand... They're making a roofie analogy when a roofie analogy doesn't make any sense because a roofie analogy is you do that to someone and take advantage of them uh, because they're compromised. But th- this is not... This is like someone has cancer and is upset about it. And to save their and cure their cancer, you could have sex with them, but you're like, this isn't right. You're just not well. You're not well. I can't have sex with you. You're sick. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I think that they are definitely leaning more towards the the roofie analogy. Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I guess I don't really have any response to that. Yeah. <laughs> But in Tom and Bellana end up trying to have sex in the episode too, you know? Yeah, that, that's the thing that was the weirdest part for me is that Tom Paris goes out of his way to be like, I don't want to take advantage of you. And even if this does work, you're going to hate, you're going to feel bad about it. I'm going to feel bad about it. And then eventually he's like, well, I guess why not? Like he has a, his turn is, is <laughs> Once very Once they get out of the cave. Once they get out of the cave, he wants to go back in, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Right. It was, I was, it was very, um, it was very confusing from, from that standpoint. Um, and then that final scene in the turbo lift, he just kind of turns into a creep. Yep. Because he's like, I will not, the whole episode, he's like, I will not take advantage of you. And then later on, he's like, well, if it, if it'll save the universe or it'll save your life, sure, why not? And mm-hmm. then afterwards, he's like, you know, you were pretty hot when you were all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it can, <laughs> I hope to see it again. So, like it's, 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 it's a very strange, 
arc for him in this episode. Yeah. No, it, he goes on quite a journey. I, I really have to hammer the point. I, I just don't, there's no reason not to have sex with those people or to have them have sex with some, like in, in this utopian. I hope you don't ever run for office because that's going in a campaign. In, in this somewhere. utopian, uh, <laughs> Pond Far in 2024, that's the platform. <laughs> um, there's There's just no, there's just no good, like, there's just no good argument against it. In, in this utopian Star Trek universe that you would think that this would be a thing that would be certainly like understandable and something that the crew would be willing to work around and see it as like they would be almost past the dramatic flair that maybe like, you know, in a, in a perfect franchise, Enterprise would deal with this in a more 90210 way because Enterprise is the proto series before we develop that heightened TNG ethos where it's like do the right thing at all costs. Mm-hmm. And you'd think that where Voyager is in the timeline, this shouldn't be that big of a deal. And so I get I get really hung yeah. up on just the mechanics of how this works. Why Tom like again they will they will die if they don't end the pond far like. Tuvok is is like their balls explode like they just the, the entire <laughs> universe collapses around them. We'll have to get to Tuvok in this too, because I think Tuvok is this bizarre character in this episode. But I don't know; it's just it's not done well enough, or there is no there's no uh, bad outcome to people just having sex and getting it over with, you know. And so it it comes across as this really super. How many how many people heard that from you in college? <laughs> It's still ongoing. This is exactly listen, <laughs> listen. There's no reason this can't happen. I got the I got the pond far. Emu will not get that reference. I don't think. Um, I just I just think that it, it's a strangely conservative. Um, it's like conservative without a point, like socially conservative without a point, almost about mm. why we can't have sex. And I I don't I don't get it. Really, it's and I know it's because it's a PG show and family is watching it and stuff, and so the easy solution is not the one that the show can actually do. But I don't know what it is, but I feel like you have to add something to the people who are suffering from from Pond Far to make it not just seem like an obvious solution. Well, I I don't know. I think the problem is that they is is the fact that it kills them. It seems a little drastic. Okay, and, so you uh, you would undo that. Yeah, I, and I would, not to interrupt, but like I, I think that if you made it more of an analogy about like sort of a pent up sexual frustration and the bad outcomes that can come from that, I'd be like, imagine if Vork started sabotaging the ship, you know, because right. he's he's gone crazy with horniness or something. <laughs> I I I would buy that much more than someone. It, please fuck this man. <laughs> and he's. He's just he's actively trying to avoid it. You, you know, in the modern parlance, you could turn it into like an incel metaphor. Right. 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 But yeah. they they don't they don't do that with it. It's it's so I didn't mean to interrupt, but imagine if they did something where he was not dying from it, but it caused a bigger problem that they had to get rid of. Yeah, I think that's the more interesting answer, honestly, because uh, <clears throat> having them, it is it is a very. The the whole setup for this episode, I think, is kind of hindered by that element of it because this the holodeck thing isn't the first thing. Like, it takes them half the episode to come up with that idea. 
and then they have to strand Torres on a planet in a fucking cave in order to make it necessary to to uh, to go through with it on her end. Yeah, and it's just it's just a really the the only when when the entire stakes to this problem are they need to have sex or they're gonna die. I feel like that's I don't know. It just it it, it makes things really. Um, if that's the only thing you're focusing on, then it, it, it you, you got to start doing these backflips as to uh, you know why, like you're saying, why they can't just do why it, it can't happen. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean it's a lot of pressure on. It's a lot of pressure on a series that has not done characterization well, where Tom Paris is concerned about losing his friendship or whatever he has with Bolana. You know. Well, I mean, the, I think the other thing is too. I, I don't really remember if they've done this, but clearly they are. It's not just that he's doing it for um, surface level chivalrous the right thing to do reasons he likes her yeah you know he actually has an actual crush on her or whatever you want he has affection for her feelings or whatever yeah and so them having sex there in that way would probably be detrimental to whatever they were going to do afterwards if anything yeah so like and i do you think I don't in a selfish if, way do you think he's being selfish there is like I, I guess that's the way my mind would go. Right? I, I think I think it gets really dicey when you when you get into a situation like this where it's um, someone who is out of their mind, dying or not. You are. Uh, I don't even know if taking advantage is the right word, but the, when the the way that the uh, sexual autonomy works its way into this, I think things get really dicey very quickly. Mm. Um, but I yeah I think I I think that I don't remember have they really leaned into at all the fact that he has the hots for Torres? No, they're just kind of flirty with each other. There might have been some kind of offhand reference, but I don't think they've any ever made anything explicit. Yeah, and so that makes that I don't think that really works that well because it's not like they're playing playing off of something they've been establishing for two seasons or three seasons or whatever. Yeah. Um and also if it, <laughs> someone should have told Paris if she just gets in a fight, that works too. Because then he should have just punched her in the nose and yeah. then just gone that yeah. route with it and be like, you know what? If I if we fight each other, this will, in the long run, be much better than if we sleep together. Well, it, but that, isn't that weird? Isn't that a, a strange? That's like the the epitome of that argument. That's like you can't have sex in a movie because it'll give it an sure. R rating, but you can blow a guy's arm off with a grenade. You know? Yeah. I, I, I really think that you are undervaluing how bizarre it is that the, or I, I think you're overvaluing the diciness of having sex with someone who's suffering from this Ponfar thing, right? Like if, if there was no death thing attached to it, maybe there's a downside to this, I guess. Although like, I, I don't even think Ponfar is portrayed as like a person has completely lost their mind and are not in control of right. themselves. Like Vorik right. is able to meditate around it. He's able to control himself. So it doesn't come to me like they are sure, a completely... But, but also but Torres is Torres is not Vulcan though. Like this is completely put onto her. Like she has she does not handle this. Right. And I, I think that they they sort of tie that into the franchise. It's like her half Klingon part is sort of coming out is being affected right. by it, which is making her a little bit more aggressive and stuff. But I I still don't 
I would need to be extremely convinced that this is having sex with a person who's suffering from Ponfar and is going to die from it, potentially, unless you figure out later. If if Tuvok had told them they could have just fought, there is a that I, that's the angle you have to take, right? Like if Tuvok brings up the fact that, well, you could have sex or you could fight with each other. I think that there is an actual interesting argument about the idea of that movie point, which is like, which would you rather have? Would you rather engage in violence with each other or uh, the peep the show line, would you rather make love to me? Um, <laughs> and if the show chooses violence, that's an interesting decision on a, like a cultural level, right? If, if the show chooses sex, that's also an interesting decision. But the, the way that it's portrayed is that violence and beating the shit out of each other is better than sex. And also, I just, I don't, I just, I don't really have a good argument for it, but I don't buy them being that compromised to be an excuse to not do it really, because yeah. I, I, I think that the stakes are so high. You have to, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, I think it's a, I, I think it's a weird. Uh, I don't know. It's just a. It's a weird thing that I. I don't know if they've completely thought. All, maybe they've overthought this stuff out. I don't. I don't really know. But like, it, I. I do agree with your initial point where it's like at this point in the Star Trek timeline, I feel like there should be uh, fail safes involved for when this does inevitably happen <laughs> right. to the Vulcans who are on practically every ship. Yeah, that's fair. Like what was going to happen with, with Tuvok if he was going through it on, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not like it, this wasn't going to happen eventually. Yeah. How come it's not Tuvok in this episode? Um, What's the advantage of, of having this character Vork that they invented Clearly for this purpose, because he's only appeared a couple episodes ago. This actor right. is actually the son of uh, Jerry uh, Taylor, who's the showrunner of oh, Voyager okay. at this point. Yeah, and he's not bad as a Vulcan either. I will, I will yeah. give him credit; he's pretty, he's pretty good. I they've he's like they've got his face painted like slightly green. He looks like yeah. Frankenstein's monster. I don't know. <laughs> he's kind of olive colored. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know why they give him that like gaunt looking makeup. <laughs> he's all back up. Um, what was your what was your uh, question? Uh, what the hell? Why was not Tuvok? Why not Tuvok? Yeah. Um, Tuvok's yeah, got I, a wife, you right? Know? I think. I mean, maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's part of it. Like, I mean, maybe that's when the conservatism does kind of come out, where it's like, well, Tuvok is because because if you're looking at what what's going on here, it's uh, what's the guy's name? Vorik. Vorik gets super horny. And then infects Torres after like forcing himself on her slightly. Yeah. And uh, then he eventually goes so crazy that he disables the shuttles and the tra- <laughs> and the and the uh, transporter, but somehow manages to transport himself down to the to the planet. Yeah. Um, and it's I think it's just uh, I think it's one of those things where, where they were like, this is too many things for one of our principal good guys to do, but. That also undercuts the whole severity of the shit. You yeah, know? yeah. I, so, I would buy it more if Tuvok was doing it instead of Ensign Vorik. You know. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> it is funny how how in this iteration of Ponfar, it's like this drives this guy so crazy that he starts doing this insane shit and shutting off all these things in Enterprise. It's like she just she just wants to fuck so bad, and she just. <laughs> She just keeps taking her clothes off and like shivering in a. It's I don't know, I don't know how to handle this, guys. It's much sexier. Yeah, no, it's. 
Uh, for to Paul. Yeah, I would. I, I, I would have preferred to have Tuvok yeah. do it. I, th- I mean, the the wife thing adds the drama that is necessary, right? Right. Yeah. It, it also. <laughs> if I was anybody else on the ship, I'd be like, maybe we don't go to Tuvok for meditation services because everybody who does doesn't seem to get fixed yeah, by whatever he tells them to do. <laughs> I guess he's the only uh, the only gig in town or something. Like he's a terrible yeah. guitar player, but he's the only one you can get lessons from, so you go to him anyway. Yeah. yeah, Tuvok's not not really living it up, um, and he doesn't do anything. Like you'd think he would have be more involved here. You know why isn't it? If not Tuvok, um, maybe the more interesting answer is if not Tuvok, the one who has Ponfar. Why not Tuvok be the one that Torres is coming on to? And so then, what what is the what is the Vulcan response to that? Oh right, yeah, you know, because yeah. he, I because I. I really wish I had time to think. I find Tuvok's role in this whole episode to be kind of bizarre. And it, it's it's probably an example of like he's being written a certain way because that's the way that the story wants to go rather than Tuvok mm-hmm. is naturally responding to things. Um, like for the severity upon far, I don't, and I think the doctor kind of brings this up, but I don't buy the fact that the Vulcans would not talk to each other about this, you know? Because yeah. the doctor's oh, totally. like, well, well yeah. 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 Talk to him. And Tuvok's like, well, it's personal. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, he's going to become basically like a homicidal maniac. So yeah. maybe you should do something with him to come to a solution. But Tuvok seems very hands off. And then at the very end, he's just like, no, they definitely have to fight. Like, no one, no one touched them. Just well, let, let them do it. Would you, do you, th- would you say that the, the, the Vulcan society is not a, a, a inherently kind of conservative? society because it feels like it kind of is it feels feels like it kind of fits right i i because they're not they're not they're very they suppress their emotions obviously and they you know it 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 seems like it i don't think that that is that out of the that weird for them to be like also we don't talk about sex i so 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 this is the this is the conflict i would 100 percent agree with you that i could buy if ponfar was portrayed as a great embarrassment upon like the Vulcan accomplishments of logic to this point. Mm-hmm. Like it is the the thing that they try to hide, that they don't talk about, that they're embarrassed by. However, they are not like on Vulcan right now. You know, like they're right. they're in a weird situation where Tuvok is the only one that can talk to this guy. So it, it's time to put like it's t- you know I, I feel the episode could have gone in that way, which is that like dealing with greatly embarrassing cultural issues is kind of a point that they could have mm-hmm. done. And, it, you know, make Tuvok actually uh, talk to this guy and make it um, be built around that fact about, like, getting over this cultural embarrassments and something. But Tuvok just says, no, I don't talk to people. We don't we don't talk about this, so we'll have to figure something else out. And it's just, I find it remarkably unhelpful in the position that Voyager finds itself in. I, I also think that there is a... Um, um, I I'm not totally sure if it's just sex that solves the problem because I think the way that they set it up is more conservative than that because he he doesn't just ask Torres on a date he asks her to marry him and anytime that they as when they talk about this in the episode he refers to it as going back and taking a mate yes which obviously is a euphemism but yeah. uh, but at the same but it's also i feel like there is a larger cultural significance to it that it's not just 
every seven years I go back to the town I grew up in and hang out at the bar and wait for someone, I, right. a girl I knew from high school to yeah. swing by. You know, I think there's, there's, which I think there's a larger thing baked into it. But the weird thing about that is if you, if even if, even if that's true, if you apply that to the Taurus situation, it's firing up her Klingon ness, which I don't think the Klingons really give a shit if you're married or not in any right. situation. Right. Yeah. I was going to say that I, I interpret the Vulcan response to me more just in line with a cultural response than. So yeah. that's what it, that's what leads me to think that it is purely just the sex act. But in the Vulcans, the Vulcans treat the sex act as more as different than the Klingons do. Like the Vulcans are much more conservative in that regard, which is that they seem like. You know, in the franchise, they have arranged marriages since they're kids. Right. You know, so they're they're like built, they build themselves up to react to this Ponfar event because they have a spouse that is supposed to be there for them to help them deal with it, which is what a mock time was about. Spock going back to see his uh, his mates or whatever. Also, what's what's the timeline here? How 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 much time do they get? Does that mean that Vulcans have to always be within? three days travel of Vulcan or something? Seven years. They're like cicadas, every, right? They can every time seven it. Years. It's every yeah. seven years, yeah. yeah. So you just have to, it's like their pilgrimage back home. I, 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 and I guess you can plan around it. I think maybe that's another thing. Like maybe Vorik should have put this on like the team Google calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just going to X off this week. I'm, I'm going to be out of business, guys. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I that's the I mean it comes back to that's why the sex thing is the only thing that really defines it to me. It's the Vulcans are monogamous and like old fashioned and conservatively uh, socially conservative and the Klingons are more wild and take what you can and in violence and give what you get, I guess. But yeah. either way the the sex seems to cure the problem. So I don't know. Yeah. I I found the whole episode to be uh <clears throat> I thought it was fine. Like mm-hmm. it was, I would say it's like a, th- a solid three of an episode, but um, <clears throat> I found it to be a just a real um, potpourri of Star Trek nonsense backflipping to, <laughs> to, to uh, accommodate this this pawn far thing. Because like once <clears throat> once the rock people show up, I was like, what's going on? Oh, the rock what, people. Yeah, yeah. What is this subplot for? And obviously, this the only purpose of that subplot is to get the borg to, to get the borg in there um but like you know it's like the there's rock people that are well i hold up the rock people <laughs> the, the only reason exists is to get the borg which makes the rock people's dialogue almost incomprehensible in retrospect right if you go back yeah. and the, the rock people are like is that a phaser let me see that yeah, that's a phaser. What's that? A scanning device? <laughs> yeah, that's a scanning device. It's like, what are they? Why? What are they talking about? Why are they asking such bizarre questions? Yeah. Well, I mean, they. I, I, I'm assuming it's because. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm assuming it's because, uh, Starfleet comes from a different culture with different technology. So who's to say what is a weapon and or what what is these things uh, pieces of machinery they have? However, the rock people are holding like. Paramount backlot prop room stock yeah, th- weapon. Yeah, they're, guns. they're holding phaser so rifles that have been painted right, a different yeah, color. So yeah. it's it's not exactly like they don't understand what a phaser might look like. Well, the but, guy identifies everything. He's like, is that a weapon? Is that a scanning device? Like he that's knows true, he yeah. knows what everything is. So it's not like there's a sort of mystery about what's going on. They're they're just a really 
that was just a subplot just shoved in there to hopefully the people watching the episode as it aired didn't turn off the episode because they thought there was 10 seconds left and like, I got to go get to the bar. Well, just think of, just think about the, the, think about the first time you saw a flip phone. Right. I'm sure you're like, what is that a phone? Is that a phone? Is that a pink phone? It's it's the best phone. (laughs) Um, but yeah, the rock people show up and I, that's we like, I, that whole thing is we like it. Why have the rock people show up and and give this other ridiculous business to do when if the payoff is the Borg, it's almost kind of more interesting to be like, hey, everybody's fucking dead here. This is a a, a clearly oh, like used an to abandoned, be an abandoned. Uh, yeah, it used yeah. to be an inhabited planet, but why is everybody dead? And then they find the Borg and like, oh, shit, the Borg. You know, but they just all the rock people stuff feels really. They look like their costumes were made out of pieces they pulled out of the trash in the costume room. <laughs> um, and I thought the like, guy was actually a better actor than the role in the makeup. Uh, I agree. He was pretty good. Yeah. But like, you know, <laughs> maybe this is refreshing. I don't know. But it was very really strange when when uh, uh, eventually they were just like, yeah, OK, well, it's good to see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we could like hang out and talk for a bit or so like there was no there's, there's no conflict it. but yep. it doesn't matter because like any conflict that you tried to manufacture would feel manufactured and then on top of that you got paris and torres uh shuffling through a, a fucking cave yeah, for half that, yeah, the cave, good old set. Cave, that set. cave set i'll is... tell you man i am um, on the on the plane back from california i watched 65 which is Episode, the Adam oh, Driver I you 65 episodes of Star Trek but no, no no it's the Adam Driver movie where uh he is from a different planet and he crash lands oh, the on dinosaur Earth one right 65 million years yeah, ago yeah. yeah which is was a great idea the first six times they did it on the Twilight Zone 50 years ago <laughs> um, was that movie but, already on the airplane at this oh point? yeah wow. yeah no that movie that did nothing yeah. and I, I i having watched it i can see why because it is incredibly boring oh. and the literally i fast forwarded through the middle because the entire middle of the movie is just him and this girl shuffling their way through a cave right literally for like 20 minutes yeah and eventually they find the other side of the cave and they get out and it's just <laughs> if, if you if you're throwing your guys in a cave and they're lost in a cave generally that's not a great sign for uh for your plot here yeah, we're we're deep enough in the Star Trek franchise now. Every time I see that cave set, my stomach hurts a little bit. I'm like, come on, just stop, stop sending us down into cave sets. Yeah. And no, uh, I don't think there's been a single episode of Star Trek that has shown repelling to go well. Every time someone tries to repel in Star <laughs> Trek, someone breaks a clavicle. Or something. Also, based on the size of that hole and the time it took them to fall, to fall. and hit the ground, they would have been dead yeah that's <laughs> multiple times over neelix would have popped like a grape when he hit the, gr- neelix, the bottom of that thing. neelix being the one who fell it was actually disturbing or not disturbing it was distracting to me from that there was a change in torres because i would have been like i'd be fucking pissed at neelix too if, if i fell all this way down and not and just stagger it onto the top of the fact that like i'm dealing with neelix down there in this cave and i'd be annoyed as well i didn't even pick up that she was suffering from the far also uh, what the the thing that stood out to me the most about if you want <clears throat> to talk about like kind of weird antiquated sexual politics, yeah, was when uh, uh, Vorak 
shows up, this felt like it was a, a, a workplace harassment video. When he shows up and he's like, will you marry me? <clears throat> she, Torres, on what planet does Torres, Belana Torres, just not go, no. Yeah, and she, then like she, go back to her business. <laughs> she like she like she she goes through the whole thing where she's like, oh well, you know, I, I that's very flattering. Yeah, you're a nice guy. You're she, a great guy, Vora. Yeah, it took her like ten minutes to say no. Yeah, for and I was like, Bolana. this doesn't feel right no, for Bolana yeah, especially, yeah. but also like, you know, this feels very much like uh, we haven't quite culturally figured out how workplace sexual harassment works yet <laughs> and that it's oh, like it's it sounded like she was talking to her boss yeah you know in like one yeah. of those kind of things where it's like oh well there's a power dynamic no she's the fucking chief engineer there's someone walks up to her and goes uh hey will you marry me and she goes no get back to your station yeah yeah i i i had a bigger problem with it because i don't think balana would humor him there no not at all yeah so i mean if, if it was like a like a Troy type character, I could see that conversation going the way that it did. But Bolana is supposed to be the fiery, takes no shit character, right? And she put up with quite a bit from Vorik there. So, do you think it would be <laughs> this would be a much weirder episode? But do you think it would be more interesting if it was the roles were reversed and Tom Paris was like, "Hey, you know, there's only one way we can fix this," and she's like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> She'd rather. Die. I am not. I am not having sex with you just because some guy roofied me with this weird Vulcan disease. That's a better like that, episode. If she was willing to of, die yeah. rather than have sex with Tom Paris, I find that to be a much more interesting argument. Right? Like that's that's <laughs> kind of more fun and and more interesting and 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 yeah. I mean, it doesn't make Tom Paris look great. But I mean, if he's making the practical argument, I don't know. But right, you know, I think he has a like to stand seems, on there. Yeah, it seems more interesting. It does. It's it's compared to the nothing burger that we get. I. I feel like it's one of those Voyager episodes that's becoming a little bit of a Voyager special where there's like there's an there's one or several ideas in here that I, I wish was actually what the episode was about rather than yeah. what it is. I liked the um the scene where the doctor invites Vork to the holodeck and tells him about his plan and he has that holodeck woman and the doctor's like, Come on, just just fuck her. She's not real. Just, you know, come on. It's yeah, like, he was, it's the just, doctor was really showing his Cy uh, Tolliver colors in this it's, episode. It's incredibly, and I was just struck by like the the meta aspect of it. Like there's a female actress, right, playing this role. And yeah. they're just like, this isn't a real person. Just just fuck her. You know, just get, get it over with. You'll feel a lot better. And it's like, it's this weird, that's what like the cognitive disconnect is for me with Pond Far is that there mm-hmm. is like, the holodeck thing, there, there's room for the holodeck metaphor, like the cure. And maybe the episode just came out 30 years too early, but I feel like in a modern society, there's like this thing where like the holodeck is the escape that everyone would think that Pond Far would be cured by. But it mm-hmm. turns out that there's an emotional connection that's more important to curing Pond Far. Sure. You yeah. know? But they don't do that, and it, it might just be too early in the '90s, or maybe they can't do that kind of a story. But like that's that—that's what that holodeck scene just made me think about. Is like the, all he needs, according to the franchise, is just the mechanical act, and it's just weird that there's a woman standing there who's pretending to be a hologram that they're just like have sex with this blow up doll. Everything will be fine. Just do it. Just do that. And it—it it just strikes me as extremely weird and sort of like uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you can see them backflipping over this stuff a bit, especially at the end when uh, when it gets down to the fighting, and they're like, "Well, we need to have 
Bellana actually do the fighting here. We can't have Tom Paris fight for her. Right. But that, I mean, that makes sense for her character that she would do that. Yes. Yeah. I agree. It's a stupid, yeah, stupid I, fight it, scene anyway. Just oh, yeah. It was terrible. Like, I, I, I was, at first I was like, oh, it would be, it would be fun if they used the music from the TOS yeah. when, they, yeah. when they fight. But honestly, I was glad they didn't because that fight scene was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> just have Chakotay like humming it in the uh, the background with some what is that called diagenetic sound or something? Just oh yeah, <laughs> have him be the voice. Well, so you know, I I wonder why I always wonder why they don't use more wrestling moves in TV shows. Yes, because like when they uh, they're 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 made to look good on camera. And remember like, when Warf ever... choke slammed uh, the changeling? Yeah. That? Yes, yeah. <laughs> but especially what I was thinking is like when they first start fighting, they they both look less comfortable in a fight than Michael Dorn ever has. <laughs> <laughs> and I was and like, they, they do this really awkward, like choreographed thing where they're not getting anywhere near each other to kind of like, he, she grabs his arm and kind of like spins it. Yeah. Camera's very thinking, close so that you can't tell yeah. exactly what's going on. Yeah. And I was just thinking, man, if, if, if they had, if they had one day of training where someone showed them how to like collar and elbow lock up like you do in wrestling, yeah. that just doing that makes it a hundred times more believable that it's two people fighting. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I find it, I'm surprised they don't use more of that stuff because it is, it is the entire point of it is to make it look like two people are kicking <laughs> the shit out of each other. So let's, uh, I guess, just hang out on the ending for a little bit. So how do you f- how do you feel about seeing the Borg again? That was um, there are tacked on endings, and then there's the ending to this episode. Okay, yeah. because <laughs> when when they you know they have their end bit in the turbo lift, which also is I don't know slightly weird because when Torres leaves and she's like, "Yep, yeah, well, play your cards right, maybe I'll." break your back while i fuck you <laughs> yeah never, you never know you know it it it, it, it I, like it makes sense from like a of course that's the winky way you end this but like the way that it's built into the 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 rest of the episode it feels weird i don't know yep but, but like that's your final bit and then they just cut back to the planet which could chakotay is on for some reason yes with janeway and, yeah yeah and he's like <laughs> janeway look look what i found in the bushes <laughs> It was very strange. It was a very strange tacked on ending. It's um, so quick. So quick. Yeah, it's very fast. Yeah. yeah. It's um but yeah. Um it's it's you know, if we were doing the podcast in the way that I probably would have done from the start if I could do it all over, we would just be doing uh production-wise chronologically going through this. So mm-hmm. the Borg would probably this would seem a little bit more novel at this point, uh, but we're familiar with the modern Trek shows. We know that the Borg exists in every episode of modern Star Trek. Um, we know, you know, basically the entire way that that the, the species has unfolded. Um, here, I think my biggest, I'm torn about whether I think that it was appropriate to show them for so little or to make it be more of a, not a thing, but to like, if if you found the Borg corpse early and just had to carry that through the episode, even with the Pon Far stuff going on, would that have been better? Do you have any opinions about that? Like, is, is the glimpse you get all that you need and all that is like, all that is required? Or would you have preferred to see them earlier, even if it had nothing to do with the episode, but just to know that they're, they were there at some point? Um... I don't think so. Uh, I feel like that it, the, um, it works better as a as a tag at the end. Okay. 
Um, what I might have done differently, though, is I might have had that metal that they're looking for. I might have had them find the signature for that at the end and have it be a Borg body. Oh, okay. so like yeah. that that uh, whatever that metal is, they, galenium they find or something, like, Gal- galimonium yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, and they find it like, oh shit, this is a Borg. You know, like I think that would have been the the cleaner way to do it. Yeah, um, because you know it, it, the the whole looking for the metal thing was kind of pointless um it's all these it's all these tubes buried in the rock (laughs) yeah it's like i found the tubes in the rocks like that that was really silly and then with the rock people it's just like yeah they they told us they'd give us some for for nothing yeah um and and so it's not really it feels very like um couldn't the rock people have hinted at aren't you going to take us or something like that you know yeah, well, I mean, the, oh. their whole setup is that they they do what they do specifically so they avoid can the avoid being the Borg. Yeah, and you know, at the end, they it is that they give them the medal because that they teach them how to be invisible or something. Yes. I'm not really sure. Yeah, which is another thing they don't talk about is the the rock people could just disappear. Yeah, well, they have that great uh, set of dialogue where Balan is like, "There's a hidden door somewhere," and Tom says, "I'm not picking up any hidden, hidden doors on the giant quarter," uh, which is uh, fantastic Star Trek dialogue. Yeah, but uh, I, I guess my my version would have would have been like probably no. Well, maybe you could still do the rock people. I don't know, but I it would be like okay, this metal is something that they're 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 still looking for this thing. They still haven't found it yet, and it's sort of the the underlying thing of the episode, and then. You, you find them yeah. fine at the end and it's the Borg. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I would have, I would have had the rock people's dialogue be more, uh, cluey towards it being the Borg. I, I think you'd have to be careful yeah. with it. Like I would have yeah. had them mention something that could be vaguely interpreted as the Borg, but not overtly that they are talking about the Borg. I think. Yeah. I, I, I think I would be okay with that. Um, because yeah, it is, it is, it is. Uh, I think. I think the thing that hinders this is that I don't know if maybe we are desensitized. You and I are desensitized specifically because of the order we've watched things, or if at this point this Voyager has done this enough where it is desensitizing everybody. But when they come down to this planet and it's another, there was a great war and people mm. died and we had to go underground. It's just like, I don't really give a shit. Like, this doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. This is just yeah. feels like a, like a filler thing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm not interested or intrigued by the story of how the rock people ended up underground. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I'd agree. I'd agree. That is a... Um that's a big takeaway that we've had, which is how lazy the later shows got with just defining alien species that they run into. It is 50% of them are just like, we had a war and we're the survivors. And the other 50% are, this is a prison planet. Uh, so get ready to go to jail. And, you know, there's so many more interesting ways to do this too, instead of like just finding a body in the bushes, like yeah. it's stand by me or something. Uh, like there are so many phrases and stuff associated with the borg like if you if you're chakotay and you're talking to the guy and asking them what happened and he's and they're like these people came from the sky and we out of nowhere and completely decimated us we did our best to hold them off but ultimately our attempt was futile and like just just saying that word is like oh shit i know exactly what's going on you know yeah Yeah. it would have been 
It would have been nice. I I I wonder. My question, uh, if I was watching this live uh, as Voyager was coming out, and I had been watching it sort of like in this in this way that I would have liked to have done the podcast if I could do it over just to watch everything through. If you were a Trek super fan who had seen everything up to this point in order, does this seem the way that I now interpret it as Voyager is having an incredibly shitty season? What do we do <laughs> to fix this at this point? Mm-hmm. It really seems that way where it's like, especially because they haven't particularly been hinting towards this. Like no one's even brought up the Borg, even though they're in the area of space that we know the Borg are from originally. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's my yeah. thing about it. It's just like, this seems like a real sort of ratings grab, like headline on the Trek forum internet stuff at the time to bring the Borg back. And the Borg are oh, involved, yeah. uh, obviously, moving forward. But I don't know if this was the impetus to do that. It was just how shitty the third season has been so far. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I feel like every appearance of the Borg since the first one has been been a we need a ratings boost. Yep, sure. You know, that, which a trend which continues to this day. Um, <laughs> to diminishing returns after yeah. diminishing Yeah, I, I don't know, because I'm surprised, given that they've done three se- two and a half seasons in the Delta, Delta Quadrant, this is the first time that they've even come up. Yep. Um, I don't think they've mentioned them. I, I think I would have remembered. Yeah. I, I don't think they've brought I them up. I feel like we talked about that early on, where it's like, well, obviously the Borg has to be at least considered and apparently not yeah like shouldn't shouldn't everybody in the delta quadrant be like ravaged yeah you'd imagine they would talk about them more although it's again this is a show that's insisted that the kazon space was approximately you know a gajillion light years wide and like it took forever to get across it so it's like the the distance means nothing at this point but you would imagine like when they when the uh, DS9 crew went to the Gamma Quadrant, all everybody ever talked about was, have you met the Dominion yet once they get right. home in there? <laughs> You'd think the Borg would have something to say about this, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, it feels... Uh, that's that's a tough call, because like, uh, on the one hand, it's like, well, if you're doing a show in the Delta Quadrant, it's got to be in the back of your mind yes. somewhere. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, well, eventually. But it's not like they've... I think it would have been... It would feel less like a ratings boost or like a, we just got to punch punch this up a bit if they had taken the season to sort of lead up to it. Yeah. You know, because especially if they're enter uh, exiting known space and you know, I don't know. I feel, I feel like there's some stuff in there where you could have been building up to the reveal that the Borg are coming. Um, but, you know, it's or you could just find them in a bush somewhere. <laughs> the The next episode is a Borg episode. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. All right, let's go to the Patreon comments. I, well, I was just going to say the thing that the thing that's so unfortunate about the Borg is that I feel like every time someone uses it, it feels like you've run out of ideas. Yeah, yeah. Which is a shame because you know you don't feel that way when the Klingons show up. You know, it's like well, for some reason the Borg is just so such a, 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 a such a hot villain yeah they're just they're too feels you can't push them you know you can push the klingons you can do what is it to not be a klingon klingon episode you know the the borg the the farther the borg get away from what they were originally supposed to be it's just the less meaningful they are as a 
as a concept. You know, yeah. Picard season two with a Borg cooperative. Like, what the fuck? Like, is this a, is this a serious idea that's uh, being bounced around? It just completely undermines everything that, about what they represent. And like, it doesn't do anything interesting or it doesn't even really seem to understand them, what they are. So we'll see how Voyager does with that, because I think Voyager's still in the pocket of kind of understanding what the Borg is supposed to be. Yeah, well, we'll see. All right, next comment, uh, patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you guys enjoyed the show today, you can go there. You can support us, and you can leave thoughts about upcoming episodes. And we read them on the podcast, like we're about to read this one from Kyle Barat, who I will send over to you right now, Clay. Blood fever. Shockingly, this is only the this is only the franchise's second Pon Far episode. So I would have been quite happy just seeing a Vulcan far from home and an adequate mate struggling through the process rather than throwing in the extra twist with Balana. The scenes with Vorik being the master of his domain were the highlight, but why create a side character for this storyline when Tuvok is right there? I guess they don't want to upset the status quo. But Tuvok frothing at the crotch and rubbing himself on Janeway would have been fascinating. <laughs> and there's also the drama of him cheating on his wife. Using the holodeck to get around Ponfar is a neat idea, although all Vork needed to be instantly cured was to see Neelix poured into that tight bodysuit. His the fight at the end. <laughs> yeah. His repelling suits, I guess. They do look great in those little repelling suits. The fight at the end feels like a cop-out and death being the ultimate symptom of Ponfar ruins the drama of it because there's no good reason to deny Balana when it means saving her life. Two Paris is choosing the wrong time to be gentlemanly out of five. Agreed. Textile Bear says fever, blood fever. It's shag or die time. This has to happen, had to happen sooner or later. That said, the Vulcan can pass on the Ponfar craze telepathically. That sounds like a psychic version of spiking someone's drink. Yuck. Jaron Hatch says, once, just once, I'd like to see one of these fuck-or-die Star Trek episodes actually result in fucking rather than the dance-around-it fuckery that the franchise seems to have a hard-on for. But no, fighting to the death, or mild fatigue in this case, is apparently more ethically preferable than life-saving sex. Oh, well, it's still the second-best Ponfire episode they ever did. Also, Borg, (laughs) 2.5 positive masturbation messages out of five. (laughs) The Condal says, there's not a lot of interesting stuff going on for my taste, but it's a clear turning point in the series. We knew the Borg would make an appearance, and there are corpses at the end of this episode. (laughs) Sorry, I just thought that was a funny sentence for some reason. Not sure it's better, but there's more focus to the series from this point on. Two Ponfar holograms out of five. Did did the the doctor felt like he was, he felt like he was a pimp in this episode. He was being real creepy. Yeah, I, I I wanted more creepiness when he's talking to Janeway at the very end, and Janeway's like, "That's nice, dear," and just and fucks <laughs> off. But I don't I don't know. It's just uh, '90s Trek can't do it. I guess it's not. It doesn't have the the cojones to talk about these things in a way that would be interesting. Which is it's weird because you'd think that '90s Trek would be able to to get into this stuff, given the you know I don't know. It seems it seems like that was when this kind of discussion was all the rage, you know? Yeah. Yep. Patrick Seba. There's that whole song, Let's Talk About Sex. Apparently they never heard that <laughs> on Voyager. When Vulcans get horny, though wait, not Tuvok, kid Vorex grown up, but he can't fill the sock. Oh yeah, there's a plot about what I forgot, but Berman's rough draft needed cuffs and a lock. 
Two freeze frame post credit cliffhangers out of five. This is a short one. I'll read this one too. Blood fever from Norman Buckwald. Okay, so Pond Far can now be spread telepathically. I can think of better plots to get Paris and Torres together and without doing favors for a showrunner's son. Thankfully, Dawson knows how to act, and that's what makes this episode watchable. 2.5 Quark inspired Hollow Suite substitutes out of five. I did think she was really good in this episode. I think she's kind of got a lot to do. Um, and I thought she was pretty good. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I um, honestly, I, some of the dialogue between Paris and Bellana is so cringeworthy that I was, I yeah. applauded both actors for being able yeah. to do it in the first place. <laughs> um, a lot of it's pretty, pretty rough. Uh, sorry, there was some comment here that I wanted to, uh, no, I guess not. Grappler John Zorn is our next comment, and I'm sending it to you. Amok Time conceived the Pond Far as a device to explore a to-the-death confrontation between Kirk and Spock and to establish the depths of their friendship. Some of this episode seems like a good-faith ep- effort to explore this part of the Trek universe and to create some Tom Balan attention that will pay off in future episodes. Unfortunately... The rest of the episode is some kind of date rape metaphor that embraces desire as something to be resisted at all costs. Even in dialogue, sexual desire is met with you're not thinking straight or it's better if they engage in ritual (laughs) combat. Thankfully, Vorik shows up at the end to save everyone's virginity and Balana from herself because in this show, female sexual desire is cast as so completely improper that it obviously must be the result of alien influence. Two toxic, coxic, cockblock, cuck amuck, spock talks out of five. I'm amazed Very I got good. that in the first try. <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, that's the thing that's so, that is the thing that's weird about this, right? Is it's. I think this is a the, great comment. I agree with everything yeah, that is. this comment yeah. says. The, the two times, if not counting the movie, the two times that they've shown Pawn Far from a male point of view, it results in fighting someone to the death. Yep. And the two times, after, including this after, to, after that they show Pawn Far from the women's point of view, the entire thing is all of the men shrinking away as to why they just couldn't do what they, why they couldn't have sex with this woman. Yes. And it is a really strange sort of dichotomy because like I can understand, I I think, I think the thing is I understand the thought process of, I mean, we can't, we can't have them have sex with her because that just looks really bad from like, like a external viewing point of view. Yeah. And, you, you mean but in, in that context because she's under the influence of something, right? That, yeah, 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 yeah. Regardless of whether or not it's a it's a biological function, it the, the way that Ponfire is presented is they are under the influence of something they are not themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the minute that you have a male crew member have sex with someone who's in that position, then it gets kind of weird and, and cringy. At least that's what I assume that they're thinking. And I mean, I would be curious to see them go through with it just to see the response. I would be very interested to see what the response is. Yeah. Well, especially now. So, I mean, I'm just thinking through this now. And the original where the men fight or fuck, right, is a not even very thinly veiled metaphor about it's it's really just a sci-fi thing of the male biological drive to like an extreme, right? And the Vulcans just give it a name as to what it is. Yeah, because it's... A mock time, is it the story like 
the reason that they fight is because Spock's girlfriend chooses Kirk yes. or something like that. Yeah. 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 So there's a like there's it's basically a sci-fi allegory about like male biological response to sex and violence there. Right. So it's just like this heightened version of it. The female thing, this story, what what Grappler John Zorn and I think there was a comment before is is pointing out is that like this is an extremely like conservative approach to what if females get this disease, right? Right. And that's like a, it's like upsetting to everyone. <laughs> and that, that, so that's where my conflict comes from is that like, I see it less as she's under the influence. And it's more just strange that the female character can't get sex from the traditional male characters because it's seen as like not genderly appropriate for them to do that with them. And so it's very old fashioned about like, and I I feel like a smarter show would have taken that have been like, why is there this kind of double standard when we flip it and make a female character, the one who has the Ponfar issue? Yeah. You know? Well, I, I do think that I think, I think you could get away with that easier on enterprise where mm-hmm. T'Pol is a Vulcan. Yeah. I think the thing that makes it weird in this is that Ponfar is put upon Balana. Yeah, okay, that's fair. You know, yeah, I, th- sure. I think that's the thing that makes it dicey here. That's fair, I think. Uh, Changeling says, blood fever. Feel the blood, feel the blood. I feel, <laughs> feel the blood fever. Vulcans don't know how to do it. I think this episode would have worked better as a comedy. Imagine Tom and Harry. I know, but he's the only one I could think of. Taking this guy on speed dates, peeping in the sonic showers, panty raids, and dressing up as Darth Vader to trick a woman into thinking that he's her boyfriend. And if you think that's in bad taste, remember, three crew members stand by while an officer tries to beat his superior into submission to have sex with her. <laughs> <laughs> one slam dunk pinball machine out of five. Yep. Yeah, it is kind of weird that Tuvok just turns into the Ken Watanabe gif from Godzilla <laughs> where it's just let them fight. Let them fight. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, I'll send you this one. This is Artorius with this comment about blood fever. Star Trek continues its illustrious career of not being able to portray romance or sex in any meaningful narrative form a very contrived chain of circumstances that rivals some of the most cliche anime moments of trying to get two characters together. On a side note, they can't choreograph fights either. And not to sound sexist and racist in one go. All right, here we go. (laughs) But aren't Vulcans supposed to be stronger than Klingons, much less a male over a female in purely physical fight? The Borg reveal at the end was was nice, a good setup for things to come. Two Pataks out of five. Vorik doesn't exactly look like he's... You know, he's not in the weight room in the gym. No, I said I, I don't know. I would have to I need like a, a Star Trek trading card to tell me whether or not who has the stronger uh, <laughs> who's got the higher agility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't I guess Vulcans should be stronger. I don't really know. I don't I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Matt Ross says blood fever, the horniest episode when the doctor introduces porn as a curative, the silliness of how Ponfar transfers and the rather odd suggestion slash order to Tom to give Bolana sex to chill her out is rather humorous. Oh, and there are weird rock people. The best things to take from this one is the awkward flirty conversation with Tom and Bolana at the end, which is way better than the soap opera crap dialogue in the cave in the Borg reveal three horny orders out of five. It is funny when you think about how anytime they do one of these 
the the crew is uh, magically too horny to control themselves. Yep. The only time they've ever shown someone go through with it, as far as I know, is Data and Yar. Tasha. Yeah. And it seemed really positive for Data. Like he. Yeah. Yeah. He came away from that like a much better person. That, that's that's <laughs> the the Star Trek approach. I would. Imagine. That's how all of this Ponfar should come out. It should be like everyone should just be like, well, that was fascinating. <laughs> it's like a scientist's approach to to sex. I I would have. You know, just you have to give Tom some reason to be scared. Maybe I'm just coming to this late, but like I know the Klingons are violent, but I think they had to do a better job of like maybe Tom would die from the sex with a Klingon. You know, there's some <laughs> there's some sort of twist that needs to happen. Uh, this is Blood Fever from Point Extra G. I just sent to you. Blood Fever. It's a whole episode about Balana needing to get her some. Trek trying to be sexy is like that weird skanky girl you know who's trying to make a sexy Instagram post. It's just embarrassing. Mm -hmm. I did my best Jim Carrey impersonation and sang the TOS fight music over Torres and Vorik's combat, and it improves things quite a bit. The big Borg reveal could be pretty shocking if you didn't know that they were showing up soon. I recall when this originally aired that word had already broken out about the Borg coming to Voyager, mm. so the big fans that would care the most already knew. Oh, there's your answer. It was not surprising. Jonas says, Blood Fever, one out of five. Nick the Rat says, right. Blood Fever. This isn't about sci-fi. This is about sex and the Borg. Two blue balls for Tom out of five. Undiscovered Mugato, Blood Fever, the final comment. This is the one they should have had Riker on so he could explain the birds and the bees to everybody. They're all <laughs> horny as Stovacore, but literally no one bangs. Vork fakes it with the hologram, so that doesn't count. Also, how come every time Trek goes spelunking, someone fucks up? Two Borgs in your bush out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Some uh, very good comments from this one. Thank you, everybody. The Pond Far give you all the creative juices to just... Give us what we needed in terms of Patreon content. Thanks, everybody, for leaving your thoughts at patreon.com slash file. That's it. Blood fever, Clay. I think the patrons are going to give this one an average of two. I yeah. Think. So what, what like. are you going to say? I I think this is a three. Okay. I think this is better than the ones we've watched recently. Mm -hmm. um, I think it still feels very uh, slapped together, slapdash in the elements that it's playing with. and Yeah. But I, I, I wasn't as bored or confused as much as I have been <laughs> the past few episodes. I actually liked our conversation about it more than I liked the episode. Um, sure. I think yeah. it's one of those ones where the episode is not very great, but the ideas are kind of semi or like the failure to execute on the ideas is kind yeah. of interesting. So I'm going to give it a two as an episode, but I think it's better than that in terms of like kind of a weird, it, it's sort of like a shitty version of Tuvix. You know, it's like, yeah, the yeah. ideas are there, but it's not executed as well as two is. So I'll give it um, I'll give it a two. I think you can give it a three to balance it out. So it's not quite one of the worst episodes of the season. That's it for Blood Fever. Thanks, everybody. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you want to support the show, you go there. Support us a couple dollars a month. You get extra stuff. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, on Patreon, Amanda and I are covering films off the video nasties list. This July, we covered Bay of Blood, which is a, an Italian horror movie from 1971 that is kind of uh, basically creates and at the same time satires the slasher genre that was to come about 10 years later. Mm -hmm. um, pretty interestingly. Uh, it's, 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 it's worth checking out. It's hard to find, so you can find it on YouTube, though. 
And, uh, yep, keep checking out Badass. Sean and I are rounding out Season 2 of Batman Beyond. And then we'll be into, uh, I think we're going to do Return of the Joker on our little hiatus there. Cool. And uh, pick up, what's that book I wrote? Batman White Knight Presents Generation Joker Number 3, which is on shelves right now. There you go. Written by myself and Sean and Katana Collins. So, yeah. That would be great. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our podcast today. We'll be back with Unity, I believe, is the next episode it is. Unity. Unity. So we greatly appreciate you listening. Thanks for listening, supporting the show, leaving comments, all that good stuff. That was weeks ago, motherfucker. <laughs> I I saw. I don't know if you saw that um, article about uh, the person saying that... Um, I think you should, her boyfriend quoting, I think you should leave was like a disease affecting all men of a certain age that was slowly driving all their girlfriends insane. No, sorry. What is this? Quoting uh, do a you know the, the, the Tim Robinson Netflix show, I think you should leave? Oh, no, I don't think so. Have you ever, have you ever watched it? No, I don't, I don't think you should, so. You should check it out. I'd be, I'd be interested to see what you think of it. But uh, it's, it's, it's a very quote, it's very quotable in like a, if you if you they're they're really specific quotes to the that make no sense out of context okay right they're like it's like a meme generator show basically kind of yeah yeah. it's 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 smarter than that but uh, but yes there are a ton of a ton of memes but um i saw someone respond to that saying like well this person obviously isn't old enough to have every single person they went to college with in, inform everyone else that they were Rick James bitch over and over and over again. <laughs> we that was a that was a great that was college right when that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a that was a that was a phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie Murphy. <laughs> As, the the. Uh, I don't think it was that. I think it was the Prince one. He has that. He has that line that kills oh, yeah. me. He's like, it's like, he's like, for all you motherfuckers who are acting hard now, I saw what you were wearing in like 1986. Yes, <laughs> you didn't get it in the men's section. <laughs> That's it. Thanks everybody for listening. Go check out Chappelle's show. Shalimar got this new chick named Mickey Free. She fine as a motherfucker. <laughs> what a great, what a great show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time.